You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits and by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. Thanks very much for being with us. We are coming to you following the Steelers' 30-7 loss yesterday to the San Francisco 49ers at Acrisure Stadium, a game in which I think there was a lot of optimism. Wolf coming in, and that optimism quickly abated as the 49ers really just kind of had their way with things. There's no question about it. I mean, you just started off, and there was so much enthusiasm coming from the preseason and training camp and everything. You know, I... It was exciting to me, and I was I was all into it. Look, I mean, you got Kenny going one fifty eight point three QBR in the preseason. You got the five for five touchdowns. You know, you got all this three and O's. Everything good. It looked good. It looked great. Yes, I know that um, there was not a lot of starters in the preseason that that, that you know ones and ones playing each other. But still, you see. Um, how it worked out during training camp when they weren't working ones versus ones up at camp, you know, and you still had a lot of promise of enthusiasm and excitement with the offense, but it never got off the ground, never manifested itself. And uh, I, you know, you look at Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, he actually took the ball to start the game. So he was ready for a fast start and fast starts are huge. It's a big thing to start fast in a game and make the other team play from behind. Matt. Yeah, I mean, a really rough outing that couldn't have gone worse, as mentioned, and as Wolf said. I it mean, could have gone worse. <laughs> I've, I've been there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, get, we'll get to that in a little bit. We will get to that. Um, it, like Wolf said, I was very excited about this team, and frankly, I still am. I mean, it, it was a really rough performance, but they're a very young team. I can't say enough. They were the youngest offense in the league last year and it's it's going to be growing pains but this was hard to watch early on there's no question I I thought Kenny played very poorly am I worried about him no I'm really not I'm not worried about this team but I think you gotta give the some credit to the 49ers too I mean they're (laughs) a phenomenal football team that is loaded with big time talent and their stars came out to play this look back segment is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates it's all about the benefits that Brian Patton and associates. So, Wolf, as we look at this game, I made the point with Charlie in the post-game show last night and again on DV this morning uh, with, you know, Randy and the guys. Look, um, it was all three phases. I think a lot of people are fixating on the offense right now because the offense looked so good. Even when they were winning games last year down the stretch, they weren't scoring a lot of points. They were running the football. They were taking care of the football. They were playing good defense. That seems hard to sustain when you're playing against teams that are going to score a lot of points, the teams you have to beat to get to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, who lost in week one, by the way. The Bengals, who lost in week one, by the way. Right. And uh, the Buffalo Bills, who are playing uh, just about ready to kick it off against the Jets. You're going to have to score some points. But, you know, I thought just the, the very first three sequences of this game, you go three and out, you bring out the special teams, you're hoping for a field-flipping punt. 
that doesn't happen. A 34-yarder, that sets them up in good field position. And then the 49ers just marching right down and scoring all three phases. We, I think a lot of people fixating on the offense, but there was plenty to go around. Well, there was breakdowns all across the board, individually, corporately, unit-wise. You know, I mean, you, you, you name it. And, yes, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still very high on the Steelers' opportunities and chances this year. Again, having lived through some of these not-so-great experiences, it teaches you that you have to be very patient. Yet the what happens in week one and two is not the final result. It's not the final saying it of where you are going to be at the end of the year. It's always more important to play the game uh, and, and, and be at your best at the end of the year, not at the beginning of the year. So I have great hopes for the future here, but it's just it's a rough way to start because there was so much enthusiasm. There was so much optimism that they greeted all the players coming into Akrasher. It was, it was ginormous with enthusiasm, the whole stadium. And so when you go five and out, or I mean five in a row of three and out, and everyone's thinking about, I remember five for five touchdown drives in the preseason. It was a bit of a bitter pill for a lot of people to swallow. Well, not to nitpick, but they didn't go five straight three and outs because there was an interception in there. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not nice, yeah. How many yeah. plays was that on the third play? <laughs> it, it, it actually was in the third play, yes. That, you're right. Technically, I guess that was a three. That was also a three and out, unfortunately. You know, and it seems to me, Matt, as you look around the league and there's week one upsets or or, you know, Results you don't expect at all. I don't think anybody expected 40 to nothing last night. Oh, uh, you know, no. you're expecting maybe the Cowboys to win, but who? Hey, you know, not 40 to nothing. And mm-hmm. some people pick the Giants to win that game. But there, it seems like if there is a week in which there's the greatest amount of unpredictability, it might be week one. You don't know for sure what you're going to get. You don't know mm-hmm. how teams are going to respond after a summer. You haven't seen everything maybe you're going to see in the preseason. Uh, it, it's I don't know. This was unpredictable to me, but there were, it was one of several unpredictable games. Not to let the Steelers off the hook. I'm just saying no. in, in week one, I mean, what the Browns did to the Bengals. I don't know if that was predictable. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, the Giants were a playoff team last year. And, yes. and they that was much worse than what the Steelers went through against San Francisco. I mean, felt like Daniel Jones could have got sacked play after play after play. And I'm glad you referenced the Bengals, too. I mean, the Bengals started slow last year against the Steelers. But their longest completion yesterday was 12 yards, and they're playing from behind. Their offense was the worst unit of any unit in all of football yesterday, and I don't think people are particularly worried about the Bengals' offense. You know, Joe Burrow is probably going to be just fine. Uh, that team does come here Monday night, the Browns that did that to Cincinnati, and they were very impressive. But it is a one-off. I mean, if this happens, I always say this about football. It's such a small sample size, and again, this is not excusing it at all. But if the Penguins lose seven to nothing at the in the thirtieth game of the season, or the Pirates get blown out fifteen nothing in July, nobody even bats an eye. You know, you have a bad day, and it happens in the NFL as well. And Week One is certainly more unpredictable without question. But that doesn't excuse it. Well, I think the problem here, I think for Steelers fans, Matt, to to piggyback on that point, is that it feels like a continuation of a trend. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's the problem is now all of a sudden you take that preseason and the five for five, the touchdowns, you know, five drives, five touchdowns, perfect quarterback rating. Mm -hmm. You shunt that aside and say, aha, this was the offense that we saw last year that didn't score a lot of points. I think that's the problem with it happening in week one, as opposed to week seven, is it feels like another link in a bad chain for this offense. And, And I think that's what some Steelers fans are thinking right now. I can understand that. It's also a trend 
that this is what the 49ers do to people. <laughs> Three and outs are their so specialty. Yeah. Big leads into halftime and then just shutting the door with a pass rush is their specialty. And I think Coach Tomlin said in the pre- in the postgame press conference something along the lines of, we fell, not, not fell into their trap, but we played exactly how we can't play against this team. And that's starting slow, which is 100%, 100% true. Um, watching that game, though, a second time, there were open receivers. You know, I mean, I frankly thought Kenny hurt the offense more than he will, will be prone to do going forward. I mean, there were plays to be made, and ball didn't come out of his hands right. I mean, there was a lot of those. And I'm not blaming just one guy. I mean, it was a group group effort here. Well, we talked, uh, Wolf, about, you know, plays. Like, you just never know when something, when one play mm-hmm. maybe can switch the momentum of a game. Like, I, I you know, I looked at that punt, uh, you know, again, you get a 65-yarder and it tumbles out of bounds inside the eight-yard line. Well, maybe who knows if the 49ers drive right, down the field right. mm-hmm. and score in the open. You just don't know. The one throw, and I was listening to the NFL radio earlier today, and Rich Gannon was talking about, you know, the former quarterback saying, after every game, you're you're even a good game, you're going to have two or three throws you wish you had back. After a bad game, it might be five or six throws. The one that I think of is on that third drive, it was 10 to nothing. You know, the defense at least had held them to a field goal. It's 10 to nothing. And you have Johnson, Deontay Johnson, on a, on a long in-breaking route. And if Kenny hits on the money, he might have scored. I mean, you hate to say that about a 20-yard pass. Unless he hit the hamstring there. <laughs> yeah, right, but I mean, right. it was right. he was breaking wide open over the field. There was another one later in the game in which he was forced up the middle, rolled to his right. right, and Calvin Austin, a couple guys collided and was wide open crossing the middle of the field right to left while Kenny moved to his right away from where Austin was. But just that one throw, if Kenny hit, and we've seen him make that throw, if he hits Deontay Johnson there in stride and Deontay Johnson runs it in again, you know, does the crowd get into it? Do things happen differently? Um, does the defense come out with, I know you, I like you, you know, you use the word enthusiasm. They come out with more enthusiasm, maybe the next series. Who knows? There's no question. Look, one play can, can divert a, a whole game. In another way, why do you think there's such emphasis on blocked punts and things of that nature that, you know, you, what, just something like that, special teams-wise, can just take over a game like it did a couple of years ago in Buffalo when Miles Killebrew blocked the punt and UG3 went and took it into the end zone. It just jump-started a great over, you know, great victory for the Steelers over an opponent people were expecting to beat the Steelers. Things like that are just, they're, they're, they're big plays, and that's why the chunk plays are so big. I'll give you another one. It was the second or third series. Do you remember when Fred Warner came down from the Mike Blindbacker position and hit Najee in the uh, C-gap? I sure do. All right, mm-hmm. boom. Now, I've just watched that over and over again. That was nothing but what the Steelers run every day at practice working up at training camp. I've watched, they work in the front, they work the backside, front, backside. Neither neither Mason Cole or, or Isaac Somalo came off on the middle linebacker. If they come off, just one of them is picks up the middle linebacker, Najee's still running. <laughs> the safety was 30 yards deep. Yeah, he filled know? the one hole. Yeah, Warner he, filled the one yeah, hole. He but, was but, the one guy that got Exactly, that. but you got there was a screw-up because Isaac hooked the, the, the down defensive tackle and Mason thought there was an outside zone. So you got two guys on one. And nobody comes off on Warner. And I'm telling you, that was exactly the play, basically, that McCaffrey scored 65 yards on down, you know, in uh, the third quarter. That's all it was, you know. It, it just, that's what happens. You've got to be accountable and get make the plays. And I understand Isaac and, and Mason, believe you me, I had my, my share of screw-ups 
enough where, you know, I saw Chuck's bulldog look more than once. Let me put it that way. Now, I will say this, and I think it's fair to say this. Uh, I'm going to go back to um, when you talk about one play that may have changed the game. Of course, it may not have, too. Uh, the 1940 championship game, the Chicago Bears beat the Redskins 73 to nothing. One of the most well, famous okay. games of football. <laughs> and early on, uh, sec- second drive of the game for the Redskins, on a fourth down, they went for it. They threw the ball in the end zone, and the guy dropped it. Sammy Ball, the Redskins quarterback, was asked after the game, hey, would the score have been different if he'd caught that? And he goes, yeah, it would have been 73-7. to seven. So, <laughs> so you do never yeah, know. There you go. You do never know what's going to happen uh, over the course of a football game. But for the Niners, you know, so uh, for the Steelers, maybe we're pointing out this, that, and the other thing. Matt, if you're the 49ers, you're saying we did exactly what we wanted to do. We played yeah. 49ers football. We dominated offensively. We dominated defensively. They absolutely did. And you mentioned special teams. I mean, all three phases were won by the away team without a doubt in my mind. And that team is really built on star power. And I, I don't think Purdy's a star, but he played well. And he played very well. I mean, he was the better quarterback on that day. But McCaffrey, Ayuk, Samuel, I, I found it interesting. Only four 49ers caught a ball in that game. I mean, they're feeding, they're playing the hits. I mean, they're not spreading the ball wow. a lot. So Kittle, McCaffrey, and the two receivers. And the two receivers. That's I mean, incredible. They're not using anybody else. They're getting all their stars in there. And same is true on defense. It's Warner, it's Bosa, it's Hargrave. I mean, their stars, their big money guys were some of the best players on the field without question. They performed, and Purdy was a guy that Wolf, Matt, and I were talking about with Dale Lolly before the week. You know, you see that 107.9 quarterback rating I believe he had a year ago, Mr. Irrelevant. He started faster, cooled a little bit, but then he had a, you know, he still played well. Then he had a major injury, and you're wondering, you know, what is this guy going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, was he a one-hit wonder? Uh, well, if he was a one-hit wonder, he, had a, he just had a follow-up hit. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. we got to figure out whether he can do it over the course of the season. But he looked very sharp, very composed, very sure of where to throw the ball, accurate with the ball. He looked really good. Well, he looked like he was laser-focused and he was making quick decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. Kenny got himself in a little bit of a rut. I think some at, at some point in time, I think Kenny was waiting for routes to develop down the field, and he, it, it tended to push him into the three-and-a-half to four-second range of unloading the ball when, you know, you've got to get that thing done really basically in, in a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really afford some of these highfalutin pass rushers. you got the Bosas. You know, you got the uh, the grave digger, Javon Hargrave. you got these guys coming after you, and it's, it's tough. And uh, certainly, you know, quick decision quarterbacks, and, and there's nothing that makes me think that Brock Purdy can't continue what he's doing. He's surrounded by good people who can take carry uh, carry the mail. He doesn't run a lot, doesn't put the ball in harm's way a lot, doesn't uh, you know put himself in harm's way. You know, it's I, he, he's got an opportunity. It's funny because he's Mister Irrelevant. You know, he just stand and go, "How do you like me now, buddy?" <laughs> yeah. And Matt, you know, I, we were talking uh, doing the, the show with Dale on Thursday afternoon that goes out across the the uh, Steelers media platforms, social media platforms. You know, I brought up the point that you know maybe they have one of the better skill position groups, and you said, no, they've got the best. I think it's number one. Yeah, yeah number and, one in the, in the league. Yeah, That's, and I don't think they're a particularly deep team, but I think that their top heaviness is, is the best in the league, their star power, and their five guys that they put out there, the four people that caught balls, as we mentioned, and Kyle Juszczyk, who's kind of a Connor Hayward jack-of-all-trades, plays more than any fullback in the league. They live and die with those five, and it's the best group of skill guys in the league. Strong stuff and strong mm-hmm. stuff from the San Francisco 49ers. There were some positives for the Steelers. You guys scratching your heads? I got a couple positives. Ooh, I like that. I got positives. We're going to get to them, and we're going to you know take a little brief look forward as well to the Cleveland Browns matchup coming on Monday night and the importance of that. 
when we continue on The Point After here on Steelers Nation Radio. Back to The Point After, brought to you by Parks Casino on DVE. This is The Point After, presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. Thanks very much for being with us. Um, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit on the positives. T.J. Watt with three sacks. That's a positive. It's yeah, an easy one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you yeah, very yeah. much. Very insightful on my on my behalf, I thought. Boy, how deep into research did you go on that one, buddy? <laughs> no, he was really good. He did his job. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, to take a sneak preview, uh, you know, with Conklin out for the Browns this week, I think it could be another big week for TJ. But that was one we thought, you know, you get Colton McKivitz, a guy who's only made, what, three starts in three or four years in the NFL. Five. Five starts Five in three years. Five in 28 years. games. Yeah. 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 Um, you figured that was going to be a good matchup for for T.J. Watt, and it was. Oh, it was. There's no question about it. Colton has a habit of dropping his hands, carrying them low, and T.J. just abused him every time he he you know would keep those hands low, he'd sweep them, you know, or trap them, whatever, throw the uppercut. He's able to run. You know, T.J. and T.J. and Bosa, they're they're what I call Leonard Skinner rushers. They're like, give me three steps, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> give them three steps, and they're going to do something. Three steps. Unabetted, no no chip block, no nothing. They're going to either run the arc, they're going to throw the uppercut, they're going to trap your hands, they're going to spin going to the inside. There's a variety of things that they can do, and all they need is three steps to be able to turn uh, from from a regular rush into a, a, a speed to rush to power rush, like Kevin Green. Kevin Green was an animal in, in speed to power rushes, and all he needed was three steps where he got going up the field and had enough speed when he made that turn towards the tackle. He's coming like a freight train. Matt? It's funny. I mean, it's kind of a side note. You know, we saw Defensive Player of the Year two years ago and then the reigning one, and then you referenced the Giants-Cowboys game last night, and then Miles Garrett, who's coming to town next week. I think those four stand alone as just unbelievable elite edge rushers, and all of them put on a show yesterday. I mean, just an absolute show. And TJ's as good as he's ever been. I mean, I think he's the brightest spot on the team right now. For me, you know, and again, I, don't, I didn't want to – you know, uh, look for a positive that maybe wasn't there. I w- I'd be interested to hear what you guys had to say. But, you know, Alex Highsmith, well, we knew that was going to be a difficult matchup. Mm-hmm. You're going against, what, the best left tackle I think in, so. in, yeah. in football? Yeah. And he did draw a penalty on him. And whenever they tried to block him with a tight end, that didn't work. Didn't work uh, at all. Uh, he mm-hmm. abused that tight end. So at least I think, you know, it, it, he made his presence felt at least in that regard. Like if you're a team coming in and thinking – um, okay, we can block him with a tight end and and or whatever, and then we can worry about TJ on the other side, maybe chip him with a running back or whatever. Uh, that didn't work. That wasn't successful. No, I'm not worried in the least about Alex Highsmith. The guy is a pro bowler in waiting. Yep. I mean, and you've got TJ on the other, and they make a great bookend couple. He drew the toughest assignment you can. Uh, Trenton Williams, the guy, the guy, I was watching film on him. He literally, even when he's out of position, he's still in position <laughs> because oh. he's he's able to recover, and he's big enough you know, that, that he can, he's still able to absorb just about a blow from any angle, no matter which way he's facing, for crying out loud. And one of the things that they did do with Alex I thought was good, they ran some twist stunts. And Alex got close, very close on a, on a couple of occasions. Uh, you know, TJ beat him on one sack. 
you know, coming from the other side. But he, he reached down. He had an ankle going. He was an ankle biter on that one. <laughs> but you know what? Um, to be able to at least get some of that pressure on you, you got to uh, on a guy like Trent Williams, you got to make him work. Uh, well said by both of you. I totally agree because the Niners will leave Trent Williams alone on blindside rushers all day long, and then mm-hmm. they help the other four. You right. Know? That's yeah. what I believe when they moved me out to tackle. I said, <laughs> leave Tunk by himself. Bring the wall over here. I want the chip. This isn't fair. I'm a guard. I don't want to be out here at tackle. <laughs> but, but like you said, I mean, if they blocked him with a tight end, that's a no contest. It was no contest. There. Yeah. And frankly, I think Highsmith had a good game, a plus game. Yeah. Yep. I agree. And the other guy that I thought, and again, there weren't a lot of guys that I would signal out as uh, as having uh, great games. I didn't watch the game. I haven't watched the game twice yet. I was mm-hmm. I watched the Cleveland game earlier today against Cincinnati um, to prepare for that one. But um, I thought McFarland in mm. special teams, and oh, yeah. uh, I thought his kick returns were exciting. I mean, mm-hmm. they they you know he got he's going to pop one. I I think he, he is. I think he is, one. and I think he could be a weapon coming out of the backfield, man. I, I really. You know, and again, he only got the three kickoff returns and, you know, one or two catches. Uh, two catches. Two he played, catches, He played yeah. five snaps, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, trying to figure out that workload now. Maybe they're going to have to make some changes mm-hmm. depending upon Deontay Johnson. You don't like to hear hamstring with a wide receiver. We'll know more tomorrow with Mike Tomlin's press conference. But um, I thought McFarlane was a positive for as little as he was out on the field. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I didn't know we were going to go down this road because I'm actually writing an article of as we speak about 10 guys that played better than you think, you know, that you can easily, you know, push to the side. McFarland's on my list for sure. Kickoff returner. Um, I think he's a big play weapon on an offense that was really devoid of explosives last year. And I don't think I'm divulging any secrets, but in camp, you saw a fair amount of pony package with two, two running backs on the field together, whether it was Warren and McFarland, McFarland and Najee, whomever, maybe we see that more, especially if Deontay is going to miss time. He's on my list, too. I thought Deontay had a great game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was actually quite productive on a per-route run basis, too. But, you know, a lot of times the ball just didn't get to the guys. I thought the receivers in general had really good games. But the one thing that they – They got right, open. Yeah, the 49ers receivers were better blockers. Oh, if you take a look. Phenomenal. I just – I was yeah. really surprised, especially like Brandon Ayuk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that's how you pronounce yes, it, yeah. yeah. You know, you you think I'd have it down by now, but you know, I'm I'm a slow learner. But you know, <laughs> take <but>, my look. <laughs> I'm a <Ayuk>. like, <laughs> yeah. But the, the the fact is, you know, that those guys really did a job sealing the edges and creating problems for the Steelers and trying to defend anything wide and down the field. You know, they could get out and they block and everything. So, um, that that's one area. I I just um, it, the overwhelming sort of. Uh, you know, the way that the 49ers were just able to hang on to the ball. You know, what they had, they they they, uh, they went on one 40-play spree where they only had three or four third downs. Right. I mean, it was like, down. yeah, yeah, they didn't, yeah. I mean, there was not, they didn't have any. Hmm. I mean, basically, it was just crazy. Right. Well, and then, uh, you know, Charlie, uh, in the postgame show last night, Charlie Batch brought up a great point. You know, Matt and I had been talking, Wolf, about Calvin Austin and how much you can play him. I mean, you can't take a McFarland or an Austin and just, you can't bring in Austin. Let's talk, talk about him specifically and say, well, uh, we're going to play him twice. Uh, he's going to get two jet sweeps and then we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to lo- run a little receiver screen. So he's going to see three snaps today. Well, the defense, the minute he gets out there, they're going to, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're scouting too. Yeah. And Charlie brought up the point. Look, so if you want to, if you want to get the ball in his hands four or five times a game, he's going to have to get far more than that in the amount of snaps. And if that's the case, he better be able to do things 
like when you bring up Ayuk. He better be able to block because otherwise, now, if he's in the game, you either have to put him in an obvious passing downs and get him his touches that way, or you can't put him in, right? So, so, And I'm not saying that that's a deficiency of his. I'm just saying that's something for fans to think about. Why isn't this guy playing more? Why don't we bring him in in running downs? Well, then because the defense knows it's a running down. Or the defense, why don't we bring him in passing downs? Well, because the defense will then know, well, they're going to pass now. you know. So that you have to be careful, and these guys have to be able to be more versatile than just simply getting in to block or to receive or to get a reverse or whatever the case may be. Oh, definitely. You know, and it's something to consider, you know, leave it to those quarterbacks to be able to, you know, explain that because <laughs> as a hog, you know, you're up front and all you're thinking about, okay, we got a blitz here. Or we got a twist. Dunkler, we got three, me, three, you game, something like that. You know, and you're thinking, who's in the game. I don't know. <laughs> you know, all I know is who's to my left and who's to my right. Right. So the fact is, you know, when you see the overall scheme as it plays out, yeah, you've got to be able to make sure that you manage it so that you're not identifying one guy as a key component in any one sort of area, but you take a look at what, look at what San Francisco. I watched, I was watching tape on San Francisco going to his game. They started off one game that I saw. I can't remember which one. They ran the jet sweep to the left. They came right back on second down, ran jet sweep to the right. Then on third down, they ran the same jet sweep. Only they pulled it play action and threw the ball. You know, and it, they build concepts yeah. one on top of another. And I'm sure you know, in a game, it was, it was I think it was late last year or something like that. But it was a way to start off the game and just create that identification of, yeah, this guy here is my jet sweep guy. They use the same guy in all three, you know. But, yeah, I, at some point you got to figure, okay, we're being set up here, you know. Right. <laughs> right. So there's a double, you know, whammy on that. Well, and and I'm, I'm, frankly, I'm too stupid to figure those things out. I, I always think about, the you know, the movie uh, Princess Bride. You guys familiar with that movie? Oh, yeah. Where they, where they, they had the poison in the two chalices, and you right. think that I'm going to do this and switch that yeah. cup. And it just, you know, there's a little bit of that going on, obviously, you know, where you, where you talk yourself into something uh, that, that may or may not be happening. Uh, but, Matt, your Rob, thoughts on that? on Austin, yeah. too. Like, I was thinking like Dree Archer as these guys that are just tells. You know, they they come out on the field yes. and they don't have a regular role. He can't pass block, things like that. Sure, you want to get the ball in their hands in space, but everyone in the stadium knows it. You know, and there's only a couple ways of doing it. Austin is not that guy at all to me. So, in college, about 85% of his snaps were outside the numbers, like a traditional outside receiver. And here, he's he works in more as a slot, you know, to complement Robinson. But I found it really telling that when Deontay got hurt, Austin didn't come in and they moved Robinson to Deontay's spot. Austin came in as the direct replacement for Deontay. Really good point. It's a huge compliment to the young guy. Yep, and yeah. maybe you know we're going to see him utilized in that fashion. We'll see. I would think. <clears throat> One other thing I did want to talk about as far as the play calling, and again, uh, this is something you and I were talking about with Dale during the show on Thursday, is how difficult – this San Francisco team is to attack in the middle of the field. And it yeah. begins up front with Armstrong and Hargrave. And then you have Greenlaw and Warner, phenomenal linebackers. Then you got uh, Tufanga, yeah, yeah, uh, right. you know, behind them at, at safety. Um, people are going to say they should have attacked the, field, the middle of the field more. I think we can point to a couple things. One, perhaps the game plan, this isn't the team to attack in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, there were some receivers open. Um, that Kenny missed. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so, you know, and again, we're talking about scheme here. And of course, Matt Canada's name is always going to be brought up. Um, and I think the, uh, so those, those are two points. And the third point I wanted to make was the, and everyone talks about Kyle Shanahan and clearly he's done a great job. Uh, the first two plays that the Steelers ran were, I, I think it was a quick out uh, to Pickens 
um, and then a jet sweep. The first two plays Shanahan ran were a quick out and a jet sweep. <laughs> exactly. After, after yeah, the yeah. Steelers did it. But here's the difference. On the second down, when they ran the jet sweep, they had Pat Fryermuth to the left side, and there was confusion. There was confusion between the tackles and the onside blocking scheme. Uh, they thought, Pat thought it was going to be, it looked to be like zone blocking, but the left side was doing something along, like it's the backside of a play. I don't know if there was an audible that they thought that somebody thought it could have been an audible or what, but it's execution again. When you turn people loose and they're up five yards in your in, in the face of your jet sweep guy, you're done. You know, you're 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 just done. And and so there's got to be it's it's always about the players. I you know, and listen, a coaches coach and the and the coaches do a great job. Players play, they do a great job normally. The fact of the matter is I look at it and it always has to go, it's about eighty five percent players about 15% coaching. It really is. You either do or you don't. It's Yoda, you know? You know, there is no trying. You either do <laughs> or do not. There is no trying, you know? It's kind of like your example on the nausea run that Warner blows up. Like, yeah. The play call wasn't wrong. No. I mean, no if, if one and of schematically, lines, you know, right. boy, and these guys, they can do it in their sleep, but for some reason, something happened that yeah. created a problem, and nobody got off on the on the linebacker. And you know, again, I've been guilty of that myself, you know. I I can remember trying to explain to Chuck how playing against the Jets, Marty Lyons, I was going to jump set him, and I wanted to just get in his grill right away, and I lined up at third and 12. I got flagged for being offsides. And Chuck said, what are you doing? You're next to the ball. And I tried to explain, well, I had this great idea. I was going to jump set Marty Lyons. So I was, you know, and it's just like he was not ready to hear any of that. Yeah. And there's some stress, Marty. You got Lyons. It was Klecko playing too. Do you remember? Klecko was playing yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'll put some stress on oh, you. Yeah. I had yeah. a few issues there. Yeah. And maybe you're trying, you know, maybe, again, you know, you're, you're trying to set the tone for a game. And I don't know what for sure what they were trying to do. Maybe you're trying to stretch the edges or stress the edges a little bit of San Francisco's defense, get him thinking that way, get him, you know, Slows you know, leaning that way, slow right. him down a little right. bit, then maybe attack the middle of the field. Uh, the, the the end of the day, nothing worked. Nothing worked. <laughs> Schematically, uh, performance-wise, um, execution-wise, assignment-wise, this just wasn't a good game. No, and I'm going to get back to the middle of the field a, a, a bit because this is a niner thing. They're the hardest team in the league to attack the middle of the field and their offense is the best at attacking the middle of the field in the league. I mean, that's where their money's made on both sides of the ball. And this is kind of a disturbing stat, but over the past two seasons before this game, only the Bears have fewer receiving yards between the numbers. And the Steelers threw like 300 more passes than the Bears. But I sat there and I watched every practice and every preseason game, as all our listeners probably did, and the Steelers were attacking the middle of the field like crazy. Right. But in this game, it's not the right move. Like, right. if you're going to give them a hard time, they didn't do anything in the middle of the field yet again, same old stuff. That's wrong. You know, they spent many countless hours doing it successfully in Latrobe and the preseason. But to do it in this game, you're beating your head against the wall. Right what now. do you think might have happened had Kenny hooked up with Deontay on that in route? Mm-hmm. What is it, third series? Yeah. Yeah. I think he scored. I, I actually think if it's a good throw, he think, might. Things I think can he change. Scored. Yeah, yeah. Things can I mean, change. I hate to say it would have gone for 65 yards, but I actually think it would have gone for 65 yards. You don't know. And uh, we'll have to. And again, this is a, a holdover from some of the criticisms we heard last year. Sure. And we'll have to see what the approach is moving forward. Mm-hmm. They were open receivers. They were open receivers. Yeah. And uh, now they're going to have to take on the Cleveland Browns and hope they can find some open receivers again against them. This is the points after presented by Parks Casino 
on WDVE and Steelers Nation Radio. Back to the point after. Brought to you by Parks Casino on DVE. This is the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. Thanks very much for being with us for the point after. Okay, so Wolf, uh, you mentioned this in the post game show with uh, with Bill Hillgrove, and you guys were wrapping up the thirty to seven loss. You brought up the nineteen eighty nine oh. season. I'd like you to, to relive that for us again. I think it's the both game the game the opener was against the Browns, right? It was against the Browns. Yeah. yeah, we lost fifty one to nothing at home Opti- at Three Rivers. And optimistic going into that game, right? Oh, hugely optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiasm, energy, everything. You know, we had finished 88 with, like, winning three of the last four games after an abysmal year, basically, that was. So, you, you coming in, everybody was enthusiastic, and you're ready to tear up the Browns because we always – back then, it was a real rivalry. It was a real – you know, there was it was just a lot of angst back and forth. So, you, we go out there, and, and, and it was turnover city. You know, I like my, I like my share of turnovers, you know, like uh, Apple or Blueberry sure. turnovers, you know. <laughs> but this, these were – the ball was going the other way. Every other series that seemed like I think we had like eight turnovers at that wow. game, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I, to be perfectly honest, too, I mean, if we're if full, you know, I, I remember towards the end of the game, I was like just trying to get thrown out. You know, it, it was just oh, I was just yeah. I'd had it. You know, you cheap shot and stuff like that. And the <laughs> official comes up and goes, son. You know what? You're playing so bad, you deserve to stay in here and finish this game. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> oh, come on, man! Oh, throw me out. Just throw me out of here, man! Oh, so how did pitiful. you guys? How did you guys recover that year? Well, if you look at that game, we we uh, we got a little better the next week because we went in Cincinnati and we lost forty-five to ten. I think it is oh, forty-two to ten. Yeah. So a little improvement. We mm-hmm. cut down six <laughs> points off, and then we scored ten of our own. Uh, finally, it was week three, and the Vikings came in who were 2-0, and and uh, we beat them. And we got going on a roll. What's interesting is we, after that drubbing by the Browns, five weeks later, we went to their place and beat them 17-7. to hmm. So what I'm saying is just because it is right now doesn't mean it's so. Doesn't mean because of this, this rather poor game the Steelers played yesterday, it doesn't mean this season is lost by any means because we went on to finish one drop pass short of the AFC championship game in that uh, 1989 season. Beat the Oilers in the first round yep. of the playoffs and yep. then lost to the Broncos. Uh, two close games. Yes. Two very, very close. close games. But the whole point and what I, the reason I'm sharing that is because it gives you hope. You understand this has been done before. It's a reference point for uh, Steelers history. And there's a lot of it. You know, but for for that that's why I love this game. You can't. There, there's nothing that says you can't beat so and so on su- on such a such a day. I mean, anything can happen. You know, and that's to me one of the beautiful things about this game is when you get a bunch of like-minded men together, going in the same direction, pulling the oars in the water in the same same direction, and get after it. There's no telling what they can accomplish if they believe and keep after it. And you hope that much like Wolf's. Steelers had a rematch with the Browns in 89 that the Steelers get a rematch with the 49ers. I was about to say that's There's that's only that's one other one fun place that can happen. Yes. I was going to say that's great yes. stuff, Wolf, but it doesn't break my heart that they're not on the schedule again. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if you do see them, things are going pretty well. Yes, yeah. that's, that's exactly right. And again, just like we talked about, Matt, um, you know, this is a this is a slap in the face. There's yeah. no question about it. And really, in all three phases, I, 
I mean, you're committing penalties on on punts. Um, you know, you have an offsides on a on a field goal attempt. So you it's can't really put the punt up. I mean, like I thought that was their best play to date. Arvin booms one. They go down. They make a tackle. Face mask, fifteen yards. It right. Was like there was a miserable half, and then all of a sudden there was one good play, and then their flag comes out. I mean, right. It was just like an epitome of the whole game. But here's what was so cool about that first half, though. A guy that's you know been been taking some heat, but Najee Harris takes that ball and he goes 24 yards mm-hmm. on on a nice cutback around, takes gets hammered out of bounds, takes the hit, doesn't get up and mouth off and draw you know uh, offsetting penalties or something like that. That was a significant play in my mind, and I hope that is something that can spark uh, these guys in realizing this: the the, the plays are there, the abilities there to to get the job done. You got to do it. All right, there's, there's no doubt about it. You got to do it. You got to finish the blocks. You got to stay after it and work at, hard at it. But what they finished with last year in the running game, they should be pressing forward with now. And that's what I'm I'm hoping that um, you know Naji and Jalen they they come out and get after it this uh, this Monday night. And just again, Matt, just to, you know one more thing about this loss to the 49ers, and it was lopsided. Mm-hmm. This is a team. I mean, I think we could all pick teams that are that are perceived to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders before the season begins. And we'll see how it happens. I mentioned the three teams, I think, in the AFC that would probably be the selections, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, sort of nationally. Mm -hmm. Those would be the teams I think most people would pick. In the NFC, I think most people pick either the 49ers or the Eagles. Am I – Leaving anybody the Cowboys out. in there. Okay, the Cowboys. Who are dominant on Sunday night, yeah. too. I mean, that was the most dominant game I've seen. So you're talking about, you know, maybe a half dozen teams that had the perception is they put themselves above everybody else. Um, you went in, you stepped into the ring, and, and you got flattened, frankly. You, um, did. you know, and so now it's time to to figure out another and maybe it's a bad matchup. Maybe we'll look at this and say, uh, this was I don't just. Think it was a good matchup. No, no, they're not a good matchup for many. When you have no. again one of the best offenses and the best defense, you're not a good matchup for most people. Um, so they they need to uh, change the narrative and and get back obviously on Monday night because I think in all three phases there are reasons to not be pleased. Hundred percent, and and not excusing it at all. That's a, one of the best teams in the league, but they were a poor matchup going in. I mean, just the middle of the field stuff we talked about things of that nature, and then getting behind. I mean, that that was brutal as well. And as Wolf alluded to, too, I mean, the bread and butter of this football team, the, the foundation that was poured last year was the run game, the physicality, the run game, five, six yards a, a, a carry, not big plays necessarily, but uh, stuff that pays off as the game went on. And I think they total had 10 rushing attempts. Uh, right. Well, you know, you know what happens I mean? when you get behind. Right, exactly. Right. They couldn't you know. do what you well, do well. I'd also say this, Matt, I think – this is a Cleveland team that probably also, I mean, all teams want to play with the lead. Look, you, you get a, if the Steelers get a lead, what are they going to do? Give the ball to Najee Harris, unleash the pass rush, and you're in big trouble. I think Cleveland's kind of built that way, too. Like, they're, they're a team now with Watson and with Chubb. Um, they have some design runs against Watson, with Watson. We'll talk a little bit more about the Browns in a moment. But the point being that you can't have this kind of start again next week against Cleveland, I don't believe, because I think that's playing into what – what Cleveland's strengths would be as well. I, I, I think, honestly, at this stage, you can't do it against anybody in this league and until you realize or get to the point where your offense is more explosive, where you can live and die, pass-setting every every play and, and trusting a young quarterback. 
who wasn't on his best day, obviously. I mean, I think they can get to that point at some point where, okay, it's a 10-point, 14-point right. halftime Oh, we're down 10 nothing, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, right, yeah. Holmes will get you back. Right, yeah, exactly. Or whatever. I mean, exactly. they're not there yet. I mean, they, they need to play a certain way. It's a stay-on-schedule offense. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know I mean? You don't want to get the, the proverbial behind the chains. So you know? take us through a week of practice, Wolf, in which the coaches are going to be pointing out a lot of mistakes, and I, and I wouldn't imagine too many positives. Are you talking about my era or now? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, now. Uh, let, let's, go, let's go with now. Because it what? was a whole lot worse <laughs> back in the 80s, Rob. <laughs> yeah. It he, wasn't just bell bottoms and, and eight, eight cassette tracks. Well, yeah, Charlie was talking about, you know, you don't turn on the post-game show driving home last night. You don't watch the recap shows. No. Um, you know, maybe the wife goes out for groceries, you know, whatever no, it is. No, no, you just drive, you got drive through. You got drive through. <laughs> you go drive through, like, yeah. You know? So, is, is so the what, extra day a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. Um, oh, uh, it's it's always a good thing, um, but it's going to create more angst. I bet. You know, and you, you, yeah, yeah. you got to marinate in this. Look, this is not something that you, you go home and you blow it off and you sit there and play with the dog and, you know, the kids are crawling over and you're like, don't even think about it. This is something... This is a real blow. I mean, you just got beat up in your home stadium in front of 65,000 fans, you know, and it, 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 it does chap you an awful lot. And uh, I think that it's going to abbreviate a lot of dudes, and you're going to get yourself getting in a, a frame of mind ready to go come Monday night because that's the big stage. That's always been a big stage, and that's the best sort of redemption you can find is the opportunity to come out and be able to put a pasting on the on, uh, the Cleveland Browns and do it on a Monday night football game, you know, where everybody's watching. But there know? will be teachable moments. Oh, there's going to be huge teachable Lots moments. Lots of teachable moments. Yes. Lots, right? I mean, it starts, it starts as soon as they watch film. They're in there watching film. We used to watch film on Tuesdays, all right? Mondays were our day off. Well, these guys are in on Mondays, and I think Tuesdays are day off. But a lot of them will come in, and they'll be working out, uh, you know, through the whole situation, and you sit with your coaches. Let me tell you, I remember the, I started off the show this morning with Max Starks, the infamous words of uh, the legendary center, Mike Webster, after a particularly bad loss to the Houston Oilers. We were in the main meeting room, and we were sitting there waiting, and Chuck came in, and before he got to the microphone, Mike leaned over, looked at me, and goes, well, time for the rat killing. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what's going to happen. You're going to get everything pointed out. You're going to, you know, kind of, you got you to gotta take and absorb that information. Then you got to find out, what do I got to do? to get it done right, you know, and that's the correction phase that you're going to go through the rest of the week. Now, if Chuck, in my time frame, if you heard him word, uh, utter the words back to basics, now you're in real trouble because that's back to training camp. That's Oklahoma, one-on-ones, extra running, fights, all kinds of stuff, you know, just from bad-natured men being together after taking a whoop. Back, back to basics. Well, uh, I'm going to quote another, uh, not Mike Webster, but uh, Chicken Little. Uh, who said the sky is falling. I believe that was Chicken. Was that Chicken Little? I think it was Chicken sure, Little. Yeah. Um, so that's how Steelers fans are going to feel if you go 0-2 yeah. at home to begin this season. And so is it a must win on Monday night? No, but you know what? A lot of people are going to be looking up uh, how often do teams make the playoffs with an 0-2 start? Let's see, how often do they make it with an 0-2 start at home? How do they? How often do they make it with an 0-2 start at home and one of those teams is a divisional opponent, blah, blah. That's all you're going to hear is those kind of statistics. So um, this is the kind of game that would it would be obviously nice sure. uh, to come out and win, Matt. Yeah, and a, a positive, if there is any, is this is an NFC game. I'm just talking about for your, your yeah. AFC playoff yeah. chances. 
it might be the most difficult team on the whole schedule. And we know Coach Tomlin's record on Monday nights at home is unbelievable. Um, but to bring the mood down, how about this? So the Niners, the teams they played the following week last year were 0-15. Because of the way they beat people up, I think. You know, I mean, the playing the Niners takes so much out of you. It's the first time in NFL history that that's ever happened. That why, the, why did you think my mood needed to be brought down? <laughs> well, yeah, why, you need to cheer even further after that game, yeah. <laughs> wow, that well, is that's an, like a chicken little statistic. That, that is an amazing statistic. Yeah, one of them had a bye, so that didn't count. But everyone that played a game the next week lost after playing the Niners the week before. First time in NFL history last year. Oh. Isn't that nuts? Well, if I don't like, I don't like, I don't like that statistic. (laughs) Matt comes up with these statistics. He's just like, you're going, going in the tank. Yeah. Uh, A lot of those Niner ones weren't real fond going into the game. Yeah. yeah. And if you're a player, you can't think about that. You just got to get to work and get your job done. Right. Oh, there's no question about it. You know, I mean, look, they're all pros. All right. You're all men. You know, you got to reload here and take upon yourself what you've done wrong, and then you got to make the correction because the NFL stands for not for long. Because if you are consistently making the same uh, errors over and over, you're not going to be around for long. Okay, that's one. Of the, that's that's easy math in the NFL. All right, you've got to make sure you make the corrections and get the job done. Otherwise, you're not going to be drawing a paycheck. And this is a, a Browns team. You know, just watching them this morning. Um, Watch out for their special teams. I think they got a piece of a punt, but they, their punt rush was terrific. Uh, Deshaun Watson is being utilized in different ways, not just, you know, uh, their design runs for him. It's not just about him getting out of the pocket. They design some runs for him. They move him out a little bit. Uh, Chubb can really go, and Moore and Cooper, they've got some weapons on the outside. This is a formidable challenge, as they proved to the Bengals. No question. And a new defensive coordinator that – wreaked havoc on Joe Burrow in that game. I mean, some of the numbers from that game are mind-boggling. Miles Garrett looks like a defensive player of the year as well. I mean, they're, Browns played really, really well. Well, for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels, visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Heinz Field, uh, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets. Uh, let's call that Akersure Field. Uh, moving forward, shall we? Absolutely. Yes, let's, yeah. go, let's go with Akersher Field. <laughs> Aren't you supposed That's to be doing are. that? Uh, visit us online at shopsteers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. Uh, guys, thank you very much. Well, thank fun. you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the Steelers taking on the Browns on Monday night. We will all see you next week for the point after on WDVE and Steelers Nation Radio. You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an ST Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At ST, it's just what we do. ST Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.